Welcome to the LD Podcast with your host, Nick Day of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. This podcast is sponsored by Think Learning, specialists in learning and performance technologies. Visit thinklearning.com to find out more. Hello and welcome to the HR L&D podcast. Today I am joined by Kareen Woodman Holubeck, a strategically focused global HR leader and HR organizational development professional and president of Disrupt Milwaukee and Disrupt Madison, co-founder of Contracted Leadership and the creator behind the hugely popular Progressive HR blog. We're going to find a lot more about that later on in the podcast. With over 17 years of global business and human resources leadership expertise, gained living and working in both the United States and the United Kingdom and Spain, Corrine has a BA in international business from the University of Brighton from here in the UK, a BA in Spanish linguistics from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and a postgraduate degree in human resources from the University of Plymouth. Corrine was listed as one of the Brava 2018 Women to Watch, and she is particularly passionate, aggressive, HR business professional. So I'm hugely excited to welcome her today to the HR L&D podcast. L&D podcast discovery, questions to set the scene. Welcome, Kareen. How are you doing? Yeah, fantastic. Thanks so much, Nick. This is really uh, so exciting for me. I mean, I didn't even, when I started listening to your podcast, I would have never dreamed that I'd be now one of your, one of your guests. So thank you so much. No, I'm really excited to have you. And this is one of the beautiful things about the podcast is I get to meet some brilliant professionals from all over the globe, which is fantastic. So if you're one of those leaders listening to this podcast right now and you want to get in touch, please do. It's exactly how me and Queen got in touch with each other. And I'm really excited about some of the content we're going to be getting through in this podcast. So let's crack straight on. First things first, you could just tell the listeners a little bit more about your HR experience to date. And more importantly, how your HR experience has led you to, be, to being here with me on this HR&D podcast as very much an HR HR expert. Can you enlighten the audience a little bit more about your particular role as president of Disrupt Madison and Disrupt Milwaukee, and also what your aims were in founding those two uh, institutions, I guess? Great. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a lot to answer, but I'll do my best. So, you know, I started my career, my HR career as the learning and development assistant advisor for Wrigley UK in Astover, Plymouth. Yeah. So back, way back uh, in another life, it started actually as an internship, and about a week after I started uh, with the learning development manager, he turned to me and he told me, well, I really need to support the, uh, the larger um, Europe, Middle East, Asia learning and development objectives on the continent and gave me the main responsibility of rolling out the new 360-degree feedback program that Wrigley was Im- implementing uh, in the UK at that time to the 400 employees that were in the UK. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we included the whole life cycle of the program from onboarding, educating and the feedback process to reviews, then starting in in continuous learning around that and improving. So it was really great being thrown into the deep end. And I was like, okay, I'm going to sink or swim here. And in my case, in my case, it was finding out, you know, that L&D was my calling, complete success. And I learned that I was a really agile, quick learner that needed to do things fast and move fast in order for me to be like engaged. And I think that's my unique ability is to make connections between concepts that are considered to be unrelated. I consider myself to be like a futurist uh, without the formal training. And that's definitely going to come across, I think, in this podcast, because you've got a lot of futurist thinking in there, which I guess kind of ties in with your Disrupt Madison and Disrupt Milwaukee um, businesses. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what, what they're about and what they stand for? Right now, I am working uh, with my husband in um, Contracted Leadership, which is a bold and innovative approach to organizational operations and leadership development strategy. And Contracted Leadership provides uh, an experienced executive leader to fill a leadership void or leadership gap in the organization in a contractual capacity at the same time accelerating their emerging leadership development in the organization for the exponential increase in operational effectiveness, profitability, and talent management. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there, which is good. Yeah. It's a really futuristic thinking organization. And we create mutually meaningful work engagements in better workplaces. Uh, we also have a podcast, The Development Exponent, that supports our mission and our vision. And it was through the Development Exponent podcast that I actually found your two podcasts and the Learning Development podcast. Because I was in, in the process of creating a comprehensive library of audio learning for myself and for the attendees of Disrupt Madison and Disrupt Milwaukee. And 
Disrupt Madison, Disrupt Milwaukee, and what I'm doing now is really about elevating and innovating the HR profession and disrupting the view of both HR internally and externally uh, in organizations and influencing how HR professionals, uh, they, how we evolve to exceed today's and the future needs. And that's also how I got into creating the Progressive HR blog in the um, in Business Madison magazine, um, ibmadison.com. And so District Madison and District Milwaukee, again, morphed out of what I was doing with contracted leadership and their rapid fire talk events where speakers have five minutes, 20 slides rotating at 15 seconds each Wow! Uh, to share. Yeah, I know it's really rapid fire. People are kind of scared about it. You think about it. And when you're doing normally when you're doing a presentation, it's anywhere from like half an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. And you know, you think, oh, five minutes is going to be easy, but it's so rapid fire. It's so rapid uh, moving slides that people are very, very nervous about it. <laughs> but I always say, oh, just get up there and have fun. Uh, but they're sharing their unique perspective on the world of work and the future of work. So this year's theme with District Madison, District Milwaukee is being human centric in the era of digital transformation. Fantastic. And I know that obviously disruption or disrupt is going to be a, a theme throughout this podcast because it's something you're clearly very passionate about. But what I want to, I guess, establish for the listeners at the moment is how would you define disruption? What is, it, you know, what is disruption as you see it? And why, why do you think it's so important for learning and development at the moment? Yeah, I've heard you talk about something called short burst contents for L&D and social learning. Um, and obviously that's becoming more and more popular. So how would you define disruption from an HR and L&D context at the moment? So disruption is breaking with the status quo to solve real world problems. And disruption is not just making something better. It's about evolving what was status quo and making it like evolving it to make it absolutely obsolete and how we consistently reimagine experiences. And the world of technology is really changing rapidly right now. And the jobs that we're doing today won't be the same ones we're doing in a few years. We cannot train skill sets. We don't, and we need to have a focus on what makes us uniquely different and really build from there. Uh, this means we need to get into this mindset of experiential learning, social learning, short burst learning, and a lifestyle of disruption and adaptability. I know I've seen you once say that um, once for a period of your career, you called yourself the evil HR lady and you vowed never to return to HR when you started to hear your own voice ringing in your ear saying things to yourself such. That could get us sued. So was it then that you decided to accept that, you know, you needed to, to make a change, that that was when you thought this isn't right, I need to elevate the HR profession? Was it that acceptance sort of behind you creating, uh, I guess, this disruptive view and, and, and obviously behind your, your progressive HR blog as well? Yeah, I, I'm not really sure how I, how I got to being that evil HR lady. It was like when I went <laughs> to work and I was <laughs> really mentally bogged down. Uh, with just trying to make change. And I got dragged into the complete politics. There was a lot of drama, a lot of power dynamics. And I was really trying to like figure out how I could be myself and, and fit into a role that the C-suite expected of me. And they really expected me, be, me to be this like administrative police to, to do things that I, I was like, what, where is this coming from? And I was talking to a manager and I was getting really frustrated with, her not really thinking about the human person that she was, she, her employee. And I said, well, you know what, if you do that, you're going to get sued. You know, we're going to get sued if, if, if you talk to this person like this. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, where's this coming from? And that's where I was like, I'm just fitting into the stereotype. And I was like, this is, this is not, was, was it, because I was trying to exert power when I feel I had none. And I just was like, okay, this is not the influence that I had from my professors at Plymouth University. There's probably a, a lot of HR and L&D people listening to this right now thinking, you know what, I've, I've been in those shoes. I've been feeling exactly the same. You know, so Why is the human element taken out? I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that can totally um, understand where you were or how you were feeling at that moment in time, for sure. Yeah, it, it's it's really up to HR professionals not to fall into the stereotypes like of police, policymakers, administration, the person that fires everybody. Um, and my one of my favorites is you know I hear a lot from people it's the the, the HR are the people that are in charge of fluffy programs 
that don't dis- have a distinguishable return on investment. <laughs> I was reading a Deloitte report the other day uh, about human capital management, and they say 40% of CHROs come from operations and the business side of organizations rather than HR. Wow. That's cool. That's really interesting. To me, HR is business because there's no business without people. I think the power of it is still underestimated by by business owners. From an operational perspective, they don't always understand how important HR can be and how, you know, a lot of businesses underestimate the um, being human and looking after your employees with a human element rather than just a statistical one. It's very easy to look at figures and say, we need to cut these people out of the business to to, to affect this this bit of profit. But actually, the long-term ramifications of making knee-jerk decisions based solely on statistics can be, you know, much more widespread and damaging than, than a, a, you know, the, the decision itself, whether that's because of your widespread you know, cutting of jobs that you damage your company reputation, which means you struggle to recruit in the future, or maybe you struggle with retention. It's very easy to make decisions based on statistical data. But actually, if you underestimate the human element, it could have you know, really damaging ramifications for your business. So I think that, you know, the human element's never been more important, I don't think, than it is right now either. I think um, the good thing is it seems to be more in the public consciousness at the moment, or certainly I'm seeing it from a recruitment perspective, where companies are spending more time and investment in some of the technological advancements as well, which I'm sure you'll talk about later, you know, in looking after the wellness of their staff and and taking care of that human element. Have have you seen that transition happen over the last few years? Yes and no, because, you know, I'm from the Midwest and in the Midwest, we tend to be a little bit slower to adopt than, let's say, the coast of the US. So I see it happening in the coast. I see it happening in Europe. Where I'm from in Madison, um, a little bit slower. And, and again, that's one of the reasons why I, you know, founded Disrupt Madison, Disrupt Milwaukee, because we want to be a catalyst for innovation and an incubator for unique perspective and ideas that are going to be changing the world of work. Do you sometimes feel like you're a bit of a lone wolf in trying to get this message across then in, in the Midwest? Or, or have you got, you know, a, a good following of people that are, have the same mindset as yourself are really trying to, to, to make these progressive changes? Well, we have a community about a, about 1,500 professionals in Wisconsin that are part of the disrupt movement. And that's what we do is we give give them a, a like-minded professionals, a community to connect with and where they can learn and grow and build on those relationships uh, around human resources. So we're all rising together. Uh, and it's, not, it's a, not a community just for human resources professionals. I like to invite a cross-section of people to our events. It's building the work around the humanity at work and how technology will improve our work experiences and hence our lives, exactly what you said. And I always say we're all human, we're all resources. You know, why should HR be siloed? Nice. I like the way you put that. That's great. And I totally agree. You are very eloquent in your writing. All the people out there haven't come across your quite brilliant progressive HR blog yet. Um, So can you tell us a little bit more about what the term progressive HR means to you? Yeah, most definitely. Um, so if you're a business leader, you should want to hire professionals that are have a progressive mindset. And progressive mindset is their thinking involves all the functions and the disciplines within your organization. So as such, you know, all professionals just go beyond what we're talking about right now, not in this podcast, but as an HR professional profession uh, as a whole, we're talking about the modernization of HR profession. And I'm saying we've got to go beyond that and into an industry of progressive HR, meaning you have the mindset where every single thing that you do relates to other function and, and disciplines and relates it back to your HR work. You know, saying what I said before is that, you know, in progressive HR, we're all HR, we're all human resources, and we're all L&D. We're all learning and development. So that's how we embody it. And the progressive HR blog, it creates awareness around what, what brings us together as HR professionals and H, non-HR professionals. And it's a mindset shift around the true purpose of HR. And I talk about how our profession, um, you know, we just can't shake this, like we can't shake our cousin of personnel, uh, which was created, you know, to act as the administration and the compliance for government regulations and labor laws. Uh, So I call HR professionals to remove themselves from that and focus on, you know, what I call the five pillars of HR. Ah, no, you've, you've, you've fast track size. That's a section or one of the blogs I love the most, actually, which is, uh, funnily enough, happens to be your your um, five pillars of progressive HR. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, because it was one of my favorite blogs, and you, you touched on so many points that I think if anyone hasn't read this particular 
blog article. I, I'll put it in the episode notes, a link to it. It's a fantastic article that brings a lot of, um, of the questions. Actually, I want this podcast to address over the, over the, the history of time uh, right to the surface. Um, as you say, it was titled, What are the Five Pillars of Progressive HR? And I guess it, I read in your article itself that it was, inspired, it was inspired by you after you spotted an advertisement for HR services claiming it could alleviate organizations from their HR burdens, um, in quotation marks. So I wondered, actually, if you could tell the listeners a little bit more about how you felt when you saw that advert. I know the answer because I've read your article, but it would be great to hear that from you. And, <laughs> And also, I hope you might be able to just remind the listeners about what these five pillars of progressive HR are. Yeah, no, definitely. So you talked about how I start out the the blog by uh, saying that I was looking through, I got, I got a newsletter. I got a newsletter from an organization that I'd worked with um, in the past, not, you know, work with as in a capacity of they were my client, but we had been working on a uh, advisory board together. And they knew what I stand for. They knew, you know, how I was working to evolve and transform this, the HR profession. And here's this newsletter. And it says right on top, you know, hire us to alleviate your HR burdens. And I was like, what? I was, I was really <laughs> angry. I thought they were perpetuating the stereotype of HR. And they were really misrepresenting the government compliance and, and regulations and administrative requirements <laughs> that work that work that HR professionals do. And they were like lumping it all together with, again, the stereotype of HR. You know, I always say things happen for a reason. You know, there's always opportunity in anything that kind of bad comes your way, I would say, or things that make you upset. And it was also at that time that I was trying to figure out what should be my first blog for progressive HR. And I saw that and it was like, immediate. I was like, I am going to respond to this. And I am going to tell them what I think, you know, without obviously letting people know who they were. <laughs> um, I mean, your passion definitely comes through in the article, but that's what makes it so good. You know, it, it's clearly not written for SEO purposes. It's clearly written from from the heart. When you read this, you, you can tell it, it, it spurned a reaction in you. And I think, I think that's good. That's the best kind of reading. It's the most entertaining reading when you know somebody is really passionate about something and really redressing very old school thinking, in my view, which is the HR burden piece. So talk us through those, those five pillars. So I I have them tacked to my desk and I look at them every day. And I don't think that you expect me to read all of what's in the five pillars of progressive HR. And for those listeners, like Nick said, you can always go to the blog and, and read the blog, the five pillars of progressive HR. But to kind of paraphrase what the five pillars are is that, you know, we're all humans. We're all, you know, employees, we're workers. You know, you need to respect and you need to trust each other. And especially when you're thinking how you how you treat workers, we don't treat workers very well. And, you know, we treat them like children in a way because we pose all these rules and regulations around how they should conduct themselves at work. And I think that if we say we're all adults and just act like an adult, act like an adult and say, okay, here's our code of conduct. Here's our culture. Um, and I think that if you give, even if you give adults rules, I think that they're going to find ways to, to find loopholes. To getting back to what I was saying about the first pillar of HR is that the big picture idea is that we're all human, we're all employees, we're all workers, and all of our intentions are good. Nobody intentionally does something to, to be bad or to, to create issues or drama or crisis. Um, the second pillar is that as progressive HR professionals, we really need to focus on being leaders and being authentic leaders. And what does that mean? Well, it means if we make a mistake, we admit to it, we are accountable for it. And rather than feeling sorry for ourselves, we kind of move on and say, okay, what can I learn from this? And if we make a mistake and somebody points it out, you know, just say, hey, yeah. And what can, what can you learn from it also? And then the third pillar, you know, we focus on, you know, business outcomes. We focus on metrics, data, ROI and predictive analytics to make decisions. We don't make decisions bringing in our past experiences, but we look at the data and we really, really look at the data and say, what is this telling me and how can I make these decisions? And that's very current thinking at the moment, isn't it, as well? I mean, it's very on point at the moment, the idea of looking at ROI and metrics to, to, and, and focusing on business outcomes rather than sort of keeping yourself stuck in the past. So I, I like that because I think that, that that's really current at the moment. It's certainly a, a 
a current talking point that we're seeing a lot in the articles that are being released now by other HR leaders. Um, so I, I, I quite enjoyed that that part of your of your five pillars when I when I came to that point three. Yeah, thank you. And uh, there's a lot of different ways that we can get predictive analytics. There's a lot of different now with artificial intelligence. There's amazing ways that artificial intelligence can crawl through uh, employee surveys and get analytics from that. And I think that is just absolutely amazing. And, you know, the fourth pillar is that when we think about offering employees perks and benefits, you know, a gift card to Target, Target's a big supermarket, uh, all, all in one store here in the U.S., like kind of like Asda is uh, in the U.K. And giving someone a $50 gift card to Asda as like an employment perk is, is not sufficient. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't support their lifestyle. It doesn't support everything else that they're doing in their life to to live their life. You know, we're in the sandwich generation right now where we're taking care of our children and we're taking care of our aging aging parents. And so our lives right now more than any other time is is are really really busy and we really need flexibility. And I think the maternal leave that we have here in the US is just appalling. It is appalling in comparison to other countries around the world. I think the U.S., uh, one of the one of the uh, modernized countries of the world, we're like thirty fifth, thirty fifth in maternal leave. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay. I know Sweden is top, and I refer to this a few times. Is that the Swedish government? They really have an excellent maternal and paternal leave system where you get a bonus. If your your family gets a bonus, if both you know, the the man and the woman take equal parental leave. Sure. Yeah, I've seen that actually. I've read that. Maybe it was through your report that I read that. Um, and I've also seen that actually, despite the um, you know additional leave and the bonuses, the product there hasn't affected. I think it's even had a positive outcome on 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 things like um, productivity and well being and retention, like about like all the metrics associated with the with the improved benefits um, showed to actually improve business performance as well, which is, that's the really interesting um, sort of one of the really interesting metrics that comes out of this. It actually, if you give your employees more freedom, flexibility, uh, more agile based working conditions, actually performance often goes up, uh, retention goes up, brand attraction metrics go up. Um, and yet they're still, as you say, I didn't realize the US was 35th on the scale, but um, it's, such a, it's such a surprise that so many businesses um, individually and countries um, obviously are still you know, behind that curve of thinking. It, it seems strange. Yeah, I know, especially the US. And I just, you know, I, I could go on, but we don't have that much time. <laughs> <laughs> so the fifth, <laughs> the fifth pillar, and, and that's really, uh, you know, coming from Disrupt Madison, Disrupt Milwaukee is that we we tackle the disruption that is upon us, and we are really looking toward what's in the future with the technology and the digital digital transformation, and how can we as HR professionals prepare our our workplaces? And you know, the one of the main things is like, okay, don't just wait for your company to come and say, okay, we're going to have a blockchain initiative come down the pipeline. Like, go out and research blockchain, research how blockchain could change. HR in the future and, and start doing that work now, because then when the C-suite comes and says, okay, you know, this trendy term blockchain is, is coming is, do you think we should do something with blockchain? You can be the HR, you know, the HR director, the HR executive saying, oh yeah, I already know what to do. I've already thought about how the blockchain architecture could work with HR. You know, don't just sit there and just wait for people to come to you, go out and look into emerging technology and what they're doing in the work, workforce. Great, great. So you're basically looking at workforce trends and then preparing organizations in it or recommending the organizations prepare in advance for trends that we're already starting to see potentially take place or, or look like they're going to happen. You know, as you said, it's the old adage, isn't it? Failure to prepare is prepared to fail. So you're kind of encouraging early, early um, research and development into some of the workforce trends that you're seeing potentially that are going to hit the market. Yes, exactly. And and HR being on the forefront of that. So we uh, definitely are, you know, increasing our value, our value proposition. Great. Fantastic. Well, listen, I, I, it's definitely an article people should read. I'll definitely put links in the episode notes to that. But, but we're going to find out a little bit more about you. Time to find out more about you. 
how would your friends describe you? Um, passionate, brilliant, determined, and a bit wacky. A bit wacky. <laughs> Any examples <laughs> of your wackiness that you're, you're not too scared to share? Yeah, no, I, I, my, my husband gets embarrassed sometimes because I love music. And, uh, you know, if I had a good voice that I would probably sing. But um, I have a good speaking voice. I don't have a good singing voice. Uh, a lot of times we'll be walking down a grocery store aisle and a song will be playing and I will start singing a parody. So a parody is like a, an alternative lyrics to the song in a funny way. Sure. <laughs> what in your mind is your proudest achievement to date? Today. Today is my proudest achievement, not because it's coming for full circle where I started my HR career in the UK and now I'm on an international podcast uh, with uh, you in the UK, um, someone that I very much admire. Are you making me blush? <laughs> oh, really kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, today is my proudest achievement, and then tomorrow is going to be my proudest achievement. So each day, each day I make advances in my dreams and what I want to do, and make advances for the HR professional. That's my proudest day. I like that. So it means you you basically approach every day with, with real positivity, which I think is, um, you know, so many of us can learn from. Um, it's so easy to be, you know, weighed down with negativity with the amount of things we've got going on in the world. But if you start every day positive, I think that's fantastic. I like that a lot. I'm a big fan. Tell us about a time when things, despite your positivity, perhaps haven't gone the way that you wanted or the way that you planned. Well, things very rarely go the way that I want. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sometimes they eat, go even better. Um, I have an example. Um, you know, and if they, so yesterday I was applying for, I had just finished. I was like, this week has been so swamp, swamped for me. I was finishing up my application for a TEDx talk um, here in Wisconsin. And I made sure to note the deadline for the application. So I went in to, because I, I fully every, put everything out in Word before because uh, sometimes those applications can get really long. And I went in and it said, oh, I'm sorry, we've we've uh, closed our applications. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Did I like miss, I know I've been swamped. Did I miss the deadline? So I was like, okay, rather than just kind of sitting here and being feeling sorry about it and kind of like saying, oh God, I can't believe I did that. I emailed them and I said, okay, um, was this an error? And if it was an error, an error, excuse my lateness, here's my application anyway. And I went away and I was like, gosh, I feel a little disappointed. I feel like I disappointed myself. I feel a little disappointed. That didn't go the way I wanted to. But you know, but you know what? It wasn't meant to be. This I wasn't meant to to do a TEDx talk for this city. Um, I application is closed. I will do another one. It just wasn't my time. And lo and behold, a few, but probably an hour later, they emailed me back and said, oh my God, thank you so much for letting us know. The application wasn't supposed to close. It's now open. We, let, we, we, read, your, we read what you sent in. Please, 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 please apply. So, oh, wow. Fantastic. <laughs> not only I, I went, it went from like me feeling like completely like a loser for uh, missing the time to and to saying please take my application to them coming back and saying we've already read it I've already built a relationship with them because I've said hey by the way this is not happening so it kind of it it didn't turn out the way that I planned it and at one point I was depressed about it but then it turned out to be even better well, I have a sneaky suspicion that you you know I would have been pretty surprised had you missed a deadline that you'd seen anyway. It sounds like you're pretty on the ball with those things. I mean, you've got a, a an incredibly impressive academic background, which involves two different degrees and a post postgraduate degree in human resources as well. And I get the idea here that you're pretty organized with the way that you do things. So you must have been quite surprised in yourself if you actually thought you'd missed a deadline. And lo and behold, you hadn't, which is which is great. And it worked out, which is fantastic. So it's a really good example of they didn't go the way you wanted initially, but actually you got the desired result. With all the things you have achieved, when have you been most satisfied? Maybe you've answered that slightly if you, if you have that day-by-day -day thinking where every day is, is a better day than the day before. But when have you been most satisfied in your life to date? So uh, there's two times when I've been most satisfied. And, and one was my last year at Brighton University. I, I love Brighton. And it just felt like I had the world was my oyster. And I was really feeling like myself. And I mean, it's it's a long sorted story, but I really felt that that last year, Bright University was was 
when I was most satisfied in my life. And then also <laughs> today, today, today is when I'm most like satisfied that. in my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to snap a thought about um, that though and repeat it, I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I absolutely love what I'm doing now. I mean, I love being a mom to my two girls and getting, I, you know, it may seem like such a stressor is like, but I love getting, getting up in the middle of the night when they call me and I don't do it every night, but, um, when they call me and I hear mommy, mommy, and it just, it's to me being a mom and being an executive and being, uh, being able to focus on what makes me passionate and going out and influencing other people, you know, right now in my life, I, it just, it's, I'm very satisfied. Fantastic. I think that's I think that's great. I'm like, I get the the, the the parental piece as well. There's there's not there's no better thing, I think, than a, a child, you know, showing that they still need you. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's that parental instinct inside, but I've got two kiddies who are exactly the same and it's um yeah, it's it's uh, it never seems to be a chore. It's always a it's always a beautiful thing. So um great, fantastic. If you didn't work in HR, Queen, what would you be doing? Um, I'd be like an actor, like a theater actor or not on screen, but, um, or doing voiceovers for animation. I love doing voiceovers. Um, I, I have a, a girlfriend who's a actor in Hollywood and she, she's been in a lot of very popular films with very, uh, known actors. And I told her that if her and her husband ever produce an animated movie, I want to be in the animated movie. Uh, being one of the cartoon characters that holds their face and screams like, ah, <laughs> that's all I want to do. <laughs> so next time we record, we'll have to try and find out if she's doing it. That's, I, was, I was waiting for you to say, you know what, they're going to do the movie and I'm in it, I'm in it. So that's something we'll be ticked off with. Okay, last question before we go back into the final L&D questions. And we're going to find out a lot more about um, some of the student-run business programs you're involved in, which are really, really interesting. But before we get there, if you last question, if you were given any superpower, what would it be? Stopping time. Um, I always thought if I could stop time, <laughs> I could get everything done that I need to uh, or that I want to. I mean, there's so many things I want to do in life. Uh, it's like I want to write a book. I want to write a children's book. I want to be that character that screams. Uh, you know, I finish one of finishing organizing my house and the condo method. And if anybody knows what condo method is, it's about minimalism. Okay. Okay. I didn't know. So I'm glad you, 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 you beat my question there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really about minimalism and sparking joy. So if you have something in your house that you touch and it doesn't spark joy for, for it, you know, don't get just get rid of it, but like don't have it in your house. Is that another Swedish uh, inspiration? Actually, Marie Kondo, she's Japanese. Okay, okay. So I know Swedish have a minimalist. It's on Netflix. Thing, it? Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, but I, if I got everything done, I could, you know, catch up on my sleep and I could spend a lot more time with my girls and binge watching Call the Midwife. So. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, listen, we're going to jump back into a quick advert break and then we're going to come into the final L&D questions. Engage, learn, perform with Think Learning, specialists in learning and performance technologies. We're experts in solving the challenges of targeting, tracking, training in regulated environments. We have developed the Totara platform to provide a cost-effective, organisation-wide, talent solution that can help you to provide a safer and better place to work. Customizable workflows promotes engagement through onboarding and induction, whilst an intuitive user interface helps drive ongoing engagement with learning. Bespoke workflows for performance appraisal and integration to payroll and recruitment systems transform Totara into a powerful and holistic talent platform. You'll find us to be responsive, collaborative, and solution-focused. Visit thinklearning.com for more information. The L&D Podcast, final questions to help listeners engage, learn, and perform. Okay, so before we go into the vault, I know that you have another role too, that uh, which is working as an executive advisor for the student-run business program at Marquette. And I know that involves working with the Milwaukee Blockchain Lab, and we've talked a little bit about blockchain already, uh, as an ambassador for HR and L&D. How did you come to join the student-run business program? Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so it started about two years ago when my very dear friend um, and Brighton University co-graduate, Angela Stati, 
she posted a LinkedIn video about cryptocurrency from her graduate class at the London School of Business. And um, I was hooked and I had been studying blockchain ever since. I knew I wanted to include a blockchain topic at last year's um, November's Disrupt Milwaukee lineup. Um, and actually, as I before I go into that, I wanted to say that um, I'm going to give your listeners a special treat where I am going to announce the first speaker for both District Madison and District Milwaukee on this podcast a little bit later. And I'll give you a hint. He's a world, he's a world famous LinkedIn content creator and an advocate for social learning. Wow. I'm looking forward to that already. Okay. Exciting. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> a first here, um, a first announcement. I like that. Brilliant. Yeah, this is this is the this is the world release. The world this release. is the pr- world premiere. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I included a blockchain topic in last year's Dis- Disrupt Milwaukee speaker lineup, and I asked Matt Cordio, who's the founder of Milwaukee Startup Week, which is a week long summit that happens in Milwaukee um, for anyone who belongs to the Milwaukee entrepreneurial ecosystem. And I said, I want to find me a blockchain expert. And he referred me to Alec Shaw, and who's the co-founder of Euphrates IO and part of the Market Blockchain Lab. And he's also part of the student-run business program under Blue and Gold Ventures. And Alec introduced me to a number of different stakeholders in the student-run business program and the the Market Blockchain Lab. Um, He also invited me to the second annual Milwaukee Blockchain Conference that was also last November, um, which is the largest blockchain conference in the Midwest here in Wisconsin. So being in a, a person who has uh, organized uh, already like five, five very successful events, I was very extremely impressed with what the uh, Milwaukee blockchain conference, how that went out, how their approach was to knowledge transfer and learning. And the event, their event schedule focused on short burst learning presentations and with two tracks, enterprise and entrepreneur, and I kind of mixed between the two of them. And then like some of their talks were like five, 15 minutes. Some of their talks were 30 minutes. I really appreciate it because as I learned, learned this like a year or so ago is that as humans, we have less of an attention span than a goldfish does. Yeah, it's come down, hasn't it? I think that's the beauty of fake news and social media and the idea of headline grabbing um marketing uh, adverts and, and and headline grabbing news and it means that we unless it grabs our attention straight away we're not interested and as a result our i think our attention spans have dropped by sort of, i don't know what the exact stats are but it's like three seconds over the last five years or something along those lines yeah i've, I've read the same stat yeah and i mean i think my attention span is even less than that so <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so getting back to um the short burst learning presentation so the the conference also mixed in different learning opportunities. So they mixed in panels, roundtables, and really great is a live podcast that Richie Burke of Go-Getters Podcast did in Milwaukee. And I thought that was a really unique learning experience for conference attendees to sit while they did the live podcast. So yeah, at the conference, I was introduced to a number of different people within the blockchain community. And I met the founding director of the student-run business program at Marquette, Owen Raish. And we started talking about the importance of an HR present being invo- presence being involved, um, because right now they don't really have a lot of, they don't have an HR presence other than myself. But before that, before November, they didn't have any HR presence. So it's a lot of fintech, healthcare tech, agriculture, supply chain, no HR. Which is quite surprising because, you know, blockchain, maybe I've done a lot of research in it because I'm, I'm involved in HR recruitment and payroll recruitment and blockchain is definitely going to have an impact on both the HR and the payroll markets. Um, in particular, there's it, potentially some huge benefits on on the way that it can influence um, some of the HR processes. And it's it's certainly a buzzword right now. And a lot of HR leaders are definitely curious to know how blockchain technology could improve HR efficiency. Um, I did a series of articles recently on LinkedIn um, discussing how I think it may impact the payroll industry, which is a, a, you know, obviously very, a very different um, industry to, to, to HR. But I think it's, it's a buzzword that people are sort of familiar with what the, what the word is and they kind of know a little bit about it, but don't really understand yet how it might influence HR and, and, and HR processes. So with this in mind, because you are you know, a bit of an expert on blockchain yourself, how you see the future of HR changing with blockchain? Yeah, definitely. So the mission of the Marquette Blockchain Lab, we as the Blockchain Lab are creating a community of business professionals in Milwaukee and Wisconsin, and eventually the whole Midwest, who are early adopters of the blockchain landscape. 
which includes HR. So as I mentioned before, like the blockchain lab has advisors from different sectors, fintech, healthcare tech, crypto, agriculture, supply chain, real estate, and now HR. So um, the blockchain lab has been around for about two years. So, you know, finally they're having that, that HR presence. Um, I did get a lot of strange looks when I was sitting in the uh, uh, advisory meeting the other day. <laughs> and I advise on just that. I advise on how, how blockchain could and, and how it is expanding into HR. So if I'm an HR, an HR manager listening to this, or an HR director, and I was said, okay, um, so I'm kind of getting to grips with what blockchain is and, and, and the technology, but how is that actually potentially going to impact me as an HR lead or how is it going to impact the way that we, you know, we, we run our HR process? What are some of the things that you predict uh, or pre- where, where potentially do you predict we might see blockchain coming into an HR process and how do you see it changing that, that HR landscape? Yeah, so it's already in payroll. So there's a really interesting organization um, in California called WorkChain.io and they already have a functioning payroll application that, fo- that functions on the blockchain. So they um, are working on how uh, you can be paid paid just in time. So imagine, and I had this idea when I was working at Wrigley is because we'd use uh, the little cards to clock to clock in the building. So imagine taking a card and swiping your card that not only says, okay, hey, I'm in the building for security purposes and for uh, being able to access the building. But then I'm also letting you know that I'm coming into work. And then when you leave, you swipe it again. And then that creates a node, a computer node in the, on the blockchain that signals you to, signals a smart contract about what your contract is to be paid for that day. That signals a node then to put that payment on an, a card like an etch. And you can go to the grocery store and you can purchase your groceries with the money that you made that day. It's, it's amazing how advanced it can be. And then people get access to funds earlier. Um, it takes a lot of the uh, administration out of the process. It's, it's, as you say, it's a smart contract. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not editable. Everyone knows what's happened. You've been in, you've been out, it's done. Um, it's a really good example of how, of how it could be used. Just imagine what it would do for families around the world if, if they could be paid daily with blockchain. In the U.S. alone, four in five workers live paycheck to paycheck. And we, they spend a lot of resources getting payday loans to make ends meet, only to be further in debt. And there's numerous people around the world that are capable talent but cannot get a corporate job because they cannot get a bank account. So 80, 83% of the population in, in India can't get a bank account. Funnily enough, without you knowing, I've just done a podcast on the payroll podcast, which is all about um, ending the payday loan cycle and there's some really smart technology on the payroll side which is um, and smart companies that, are, that have got very intuitive apps and and you know, advanced technological thinking which will hopefully eliminate that that high interest um payday loan cycle where they have to go to payday loans because as you say that they can't wait until the end of the month to pay their bills they, they've got to try and live day by day uh, and what they do is part of their technology is they're able to release a proportion of their pay earlier in the in the pay cycle which means that obviously they don't have to go to, to predatory interest rates to survive and i think you know if blockchain can play a part in eliminating that payday loan cycle as well which you know it has so many knock-on effects to things like mental health due to financial concern um you know productivity at work is very hard to work you know productively if you are too worried about what's happening in your financial life and your financial situation and um, so you know produ- productivity will go up the tension will go up and if blockchain can influence that, then that's a, a fantastic benefit already, I think, if we can get rid of those payday loan cycles. Brilliant. No, I agree. And I'll have to listen to that. You said it, it's already come out or it is? It hasn't come out. No, it's been recorded, but I haven't released it yet. So, yes, that's one due to come. Yeah, I can't wait. I'll share it on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. Now, I know there's something else you've talked about as well as experiential learning, which... What does the term experiential learning mean to you and how does the student-run business program support students and young professional learning and the economy in the U.S.? So experiential learning is it transforms inert knowledge into knowledge and use in a safe environment, in an environment where you can be proud of, you know, like if you made a mistake, uh, it's an opportunity to learn. Mainly that's what it is. It's basically saying, okay, rather than learning all this theory that I'm sitting here and learning in a classroom environment, I actually can learn a little bit of how 
other people are doing things, I can put that into practice and then reflect upon it and create my own learning outcomes from that. Does it work for me? Can I try, do I need to try something different? Um, a lot of the students, a lot of what, uh, academia, we sit students in a room and, you know, lecture to them. And then in four years, they're expected to go out, to take an entry level job and put this, what they probably forgot <laughs> a month ago yeah. <laughs> into, into practice. Well, often these days it's out of date. If you learn something exactly. four years ago, and you, you know, particularly in things like the marketing industries now, and I think we're seeing a lot of experiential learning in marketing as an example industry where you know, you've got the introduction of things like VR, where you can actually put yourself in a particular situation and make choices in a virtual reality world to help you cement your learning, which I think is really interesting. Um, some of the VR advancements that we're seeing at the moment. I, I agree. I mean, it's, it, this, is the, this is how I learned because I was doing my, my master's uh, at the Plymouth University while I was working in, in the uh, L&D department at Wrigley's. So I would take, ex take what I was being kind of taught in, uh, at uni and putting it to play and experimenting with it in a safe environment at, at Wrigley's. So um, that's how I learned. And you know, for the students that are in the in classroom study, it creates a, a bridge to real world experiences. Um, I think that the SRB program here at in Mar Marquette in Wisconsin allows students to gain confidence in their abilities and confidence that they already probably possess. Uh, but in my opinion, it was eroded. And this is also what happened to me is where my confidence was eroded to listening to adults talk about you know, inferences. So when you get in the real world, it's not going to be like this. Or when you get in the corporate world, you're, you're not going to be like, the, you're not going to, you're going to have to, you know, walk the walk and listen to everybody else. And I think we have a backward habit of telling young people that they cannot have jobs that they're completely qualified for and competently qualified for because they lack experience or they have to wait five to seven years to make a manager level or director level or a VP level because they don't have executive presence. I think that's just ludicrous. <laughs> no, I, I, I really agree. Yeah. But what, what are some of the examples then of the experiential learning that you've been delivering? Yeah. So Kat uh, Jokic, the president of a coffee house in Milwaukee called Vita, and she's also at the University of Marquette. So I was talking to her and I was talking about what she's doing. Now, she's 21 and she's opened two coffee shops, her and her team. And she's acquiring a coffee plantation to start a wholesale coffee bean business. Wow. She's 21. Brilliant. She may be 22, but I don't ask age. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But the yeah. point is age doesn't, it doesn't have to be a barrier. Right. And you're right. A lot of people look balanced and they're too young to do X, Y, or Z. But actually, um, I think I saw, I shared an article on LinkedIn this week about a, about a 13 and a half year old boy who's just been given a, a 1.5 million pound job a year with Google. Exactly. I saw that too. Yeah, one of the most articulate young professionals I think I've ever seen. It's incredibly inspiring to watch. I mean, it's, it opens a different debate as to whether that's too soon. And, you know, we should a child be a child before they start work. But that's a slightly different thing. The point is, I think in, in this instance, it's just it's not an age, it's not an age related, age -related thing. If, if you've got potential, you've got the ability and you've got the skill, then, you know, unleash it and don't be afraid to do that. Exactly. Exactly. And don't let anybody tell you that you're not going to be that you can't be something you want to be. Absolutely. The, my other example is uh, the CEO of Marquette Blockchain Lab, Gabrielle Suliga. She's one of the youngest executive women in tech that I know. And she's also 21. So she, I asked her if she wouldn't mind giving me a, a quote to share uh, with the podcast. And she says that the, around her learning in the SRB program, that the Marquette Blockchain Lab is working towards revealing the distinct attributes of blockchain and enabling collaboration between business professionals, developers, and companies who are enthusiastic about technology. It's just as important to involve students in this collaborative space as blockchain technology continues to make an impact on various industries. And the Milwaukee Blockchain Lab, the Marquette Blockchain Lab, is one of the first in the world to involve student leaders in this space. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, a really great way to, to finish off that question, I think. It's a really good quote, and it's, po it's a poignant one. I like that. Why do you think, then, that the influence of... HR and L&D is important for student business leaders. You know, it's not necessarily the first thing that comes to mind when you are 
training. I know you'll know more than me because you've got a, a degree in international business. But, you know, when people think of business or, or, or think of business studies, if you like, and entrepreneurialism, HR and L&D isn't necessarily the first thing that comes to mind. Why do you think the influence of HR and D is really important for student business leaders going forward? Well, I think it goes back to mentioning Owen Raish, who's the founding director of the Student Run Business Program, and his commitment to human-centric practices and helping the students that he uh, is mentoring to be accountable, aware, have communications, and have empathy, and have this, this learning and develop mindset to be constantly learning and to be constantly experimenting and reflecting upon what they're doing and how that relates to, to business. And, you know, think about you know, 85% of the jobs that people are doing today, they won't be doing in 2030. They don't even exist yet. So, and I got that from the digital HR tech by Neely Verlinden. Um, I read it every week. And, you know, the influence of HR and learning and development also helps student-run business leaders focus on what I call a disruptive adaptability and planning adaptability. So it kind of helps your brain function in a scenario of if this, then what? So. People talk about having a plan A, a plan B. I talk about having plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, X, Y, Z, P, D, Q. <laughs> <laughs> and why not? So, why not? I like that. It's good. It's, it's, it's good advice. Yeah. You don't like going back to your question is like, has, has there been a time when something you wanted to didn't work out? Well, yeah, all the time. Things don't work out all the time, but you still have to look at, okay, how can I make them work out? You know, you've always got a, a secondary option if you've got those, you know, those different plans set up and you're thinking then, you know, as you say, one, one door closes, but another one can open at the same time. So from your perspective, why is all this important for Wisconsin and the Midwest of America? And I, I know it's often known as the Rust Belt. Why is all this so, so important for, for that part of America for you at the moment? So the Rust Belt is characterized by a heavy influence of manufacturing industry um, that was booming, booming back 20, 20, some 30 some odd years, and has now gone completely bust. And we sometimes jokingly refer to in the U.S. as, as those states or the Rust Belt being the flyover states, meaning these are, those are the states, the states that you fly over to get to the coasts in Silicon Valley and where the tech hubs are. <laughs> right, I see. Okay, that, that gives me some context. Okay, cool. Yeah, so as we move from skilled labor to automation and into the era of digital transformation, it's important that the talent graduating from our top Midwest schools, and we have a lot of top Midwest schools, University of Wisconsin and Northwestern are big Midwestern schools that produce a lot of talented graduates. And it's important that the talent that's graduating from those top Midwest schools, um, that they stay and they settle in the Midwest and create new industry and not be drawn to the coasts and other tech hubs. So it's really important for us to develop a robust talent and entrepreneurial ecosystem here that ensures that we can compete as the Midwest and enable us to put more resources towards reskilling our workers. Madison, Madison, where I'm from, and Verona, where I live, which is the home of home of Epic Systems. Have you heard of Epic Systems? I'm not familiar with Epic Systems, but I can find a link and put it in the episode notes. Yeah, well, they're the they're the largest healthcare tech firm in I think the world, maybe. So, and they're. They're from Verona and they were just fe featured Madison, Madison and Verona was just featured in a fan fast company article on about how cities and their tech communities in the Rust Belt are safeguarding their economies by investing in their talent and their startup culture. And yeah, we're in the ecosystems that I'm part of in both Madison and, and Milwaukee. We're all working to make this happen. Great, great, and that's obviously where the 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 influence of your disrupt Madison and disrupt Milwaukee can really have an influence then on on promoting that as well, which is great. So that kind of brings us back around full circle, really. Um, I, can, I, can, I mean, your passion for 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 uh, digital transformation in Milwaukee and 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 uh, Madison clearly, clearly comes across, which is great, and it's great to have someone on the podcast who's so passionate about the industry and about about progression. Um, and that, that comes through in abundance. And I think while we're on that point of progression, and I think before we open the HR and vault, I know that you recently wrote an article called HR Insights that uh, to propel organizations forward in 2019. So I think it's be a really good place to finish uh, the, the L&D related questions, if you like. If you could just tell the listeners what you think the HR insights are that will help them to stay ahead of the HR curve as we, as we you know, still in the early days of 2019, so as, we, as we look forward to the next 12 months. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't think we have time to mention them all. So I'm just going to name a few that kind of are my favorites. So <laughs> um, making healthcare affordable. So that's really, really big in the U.S. right now with the um, Affordable Care Act is by making healthcare affordable by using data analytics. And that contribution was by Cheryl DeMars, who's the CEO of the Alliance. And the Alliance is a very special and unique organization that is in the Midwest. They're an employer-owned, not-for-profit, cooperative organizations that self-fund their healthcare. So that's really odd in the U.S. to have uh, an organization cooperative that self-fund. Usually, a lot of the org- U.S. organizations are connected with, like United Healthcare or Aetna or Blue Shield, Blue Cross. Um, the larger, the larger, I would say, organizations, mon- monopolies of healthcare in the U.S. So looking at our data analytics and really analyzing how can we make healthcare more affordable and also engaging doctors that make healthcare affordable because many doctors don't. So, and, and then automation of jobs. So there is an organization here in Madison called Adesis and they basically meshed people security with job automation. So they have Vertillo, which is an automated receptionist okay. where they are providing supreme security for the employees that are in their organization, uh, they're in their building. Um, it's unfortunate that we have so many issues with gun control in the U.S., but thinking about crisis management and HR, that's like a really big insight to think about how you can make automation work for you for the security of your employee population. Sure. That makes sense, I think, for for the for, for the US market for sure. I can understand that. And you know, my most favorite is blockchain learning. Um you had a I think you had a gentleman on uh in one of your previous podcasts talking about um his experience with the NHS and how he had budget, budgeting classes for people, budgeting classes for that's his right. employees. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying is like for HR to, and I talked about this, you know, previous in this podcast is how, you know, don't just wait for blockchain to come to you, come, you come to blockchain and put together, I mean, propose having blockchain learning courses for your employees as a benefit. Because so many, there's so many questions about blockchain and cryptocurrency right now. Imagine if you created a blockchain learning course in your organization for for just that and how many employees would be like, Hey, yeah, of course I'm going to come and you can in like true engagement is happening there. Um, and then also AI and smartization, you know, start looking at artificial intelligence and the smartization of the work, your workplace right now. Cause if you don't, your people are going to have huge gaps in their skill sets, you know, cause it's, it's going to happen. Uh, it's going to bring it, bring yeah. it through. Yeah. It's coming. It's yeah. coming. Don't wait. Yeah. So in saying that, I wanted to mention that, you know, one of my contributors for the AI and voice portion of that, that blog article is going to be the uh, co-MC at Disrupt Madison. And he's an innovator in AI and voice. I call him an AI savant. Uh, he's, one of, he's, he's, so, he's so popular. He's, he's such a big AI savant, I would say, is that he's been offered to judge the social media marketing awards in Australia. So he's from, you know, Madison, Wisconsin, and he's heading over to Australia wow. to judge yeah, I know. Crazy. So with that mention of Disrupt, I think it's time to announce our first speaker. Yes, yes, do it. For, you heard it here first, a world exclusive on the HR Lindy podcast. <laughs> Go on, do tell, do tell. So the first speaker that's going to be speaking both at Disrupt Milwaukee and Disrupt Madison is the world famous speaker, Quinton Alums. He is the CEO of Urban Misfit Ventures, which is a collective of entrepreneurs and creatives dedicated to telling the stories of influencers, creatives, doers, innovators, and amazing human beings across the globe. He is a global influencer. Quinton will be talking about development via content creation online in Madison, and he'll be talking about culture for District Milwaukee. He is one of the first influencers to be testing the new LinkedIn video live that we've all been hearing about. And he's known for his authentic, inspirational, self-reflective videos on LinkedIn. And he's followed by over 25,000 people across the globe on LinkedIn. Well, that sounds like a brilliant speaker. He is. Uh, you can find him on LinkedIn and Instagram at hashtag just Q. 
Hashtag just keyword. I'll make sure I put a note in the episode notes as well for people that do want to add to that following list. And actually, it's, it sounds like he's talking on, on, on issues which you know very hot topics right now. Content curation. We did a podcast with Stephen Walsh all about content curation, and it was a it was a real eye opener for me to just see how you know how the world of content curation has changed. And if he's uh, you know if Quentin's right on the pulse of things like the LinkedIn, as you say, the, the video and, and and content creation in, in other sources. Now he sounds like a really inspirational speaker to have on on on, on all disrupt uh, Madison Milwaukee uh, conferences. What, what, when are they taking place? So Disrupt Madison will be in June. We are settling on a date right now with the venue. Um, we've grown so much in the last four years that we've had to move venues. Uh, so we've, we were originally in a venue that was could only fit about 200 people, and now we're in a venue that could fit 500 people. Wow. So popular. we will be, yes, very popular. So we'll be moving to a great big new venue in Madison, the Sylvie. And that uh, will be in June. So this June, Disrupt Madison. And then Disrupt Milwaukee will be in November, uh, November 7th, as one of the uh, kickoff events for Milwaukee Startup Week at the best place in the historic Paps Brewery in Milwaukee. And uh, any other speakers you wanted to highlight for which are taking place at the conference? You'll have to follow us on social media in order to see who we'll be announcing next. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure, again, the links are on there so people can make that follow, which is great. So uh, thank you for the World Exclusive. You heard it here first on the HRLND podcast. Quentin Urban will be talking at the conference. Fantastic speaker, so we can follow. I'll make sure there's a link so you can follow the conferences. And obviously, if you're local or, or can get to the Midwest to, to attend the conferences, then I'll put uh, Karine's uh, contact details in the episode notes as well so you can find out more about those. We're going to open the L&D vault. Opening the L&D vault. What is one piece of advice you would give to someone working in HR right now? Read the five pillars of progressive HR. Be the change you want to be. Love that. And I back that decision as well. And as I said, it's a, it's a fantastic article, which I'll make freely available. So great first answer. With the benefit of hindsight, what would be the one career decision you would change? Absolutely nothing. I think everything happens for a reason. And my previous experiences and decisions, whether they're good or bad, you know, they lead to where I am today on this podcast with you and continue leading me where I'm supposed to be. Fantastic. Love it. When you look at the HR or L&D profession from an Eagles viewpoint, what do you think is holding the industry back? Well, I think we touched on that a lot in this podcast. I would agree. Where they're not enough. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are not enough HR professionals learning about and embracing emerging tech um, as well. You know, getting, I think it's really important. There's not a lot of HR influencers on social media. Um, they need to get their unique content viewpoints and unique perspectives out there. So I'm going to pose this to all your listeners. If you're ever in Wisconsin or ever want to visit Wisconsin or Disrupt Madison or Disrupt Milwaukee, reach out to me and let's see how we can get you on the stage. Maybe you want to come, Nick. Yeah, no, I love that. I'd love to. I'd love to. Actually, I'm, I am planning to visit um, the US shortly to go to the American Payroll Association Conference, uh, which is over Long, um, at Long Island. I've never been before. So uh, that'll be my first venture uh, across the pond to, uh, to get involved on the, on, on, the, on the payroll side of things. So maybe um, I'll have to try and take a little bit of a detour at some point and uh, come meet you to talk HR. But yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I would love that. Now, if we were sitting here a year from now celebrating what a great year it's been for you, what will you have hoped to have achieved? So I would have completed my TEDx talk that I was just talking about earlier on in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, District Madison would be, uh, would be a sellout with a waiting list. So I want to sell out. I can't imagine, you know, I, I, you know, there I am, you know, being not positive. I can't, I can't imagine selling 500 tickets. That's a lot of tickets. Um, but then also having a waiting list for that. Uh, you know, our venue sponsor, Frank Productions, has been extremely supportive of me and Disrupt Madison. And they're very committed to our success in Wisconsin. Um, I would like to work with another organization that has a lab for innovating, uh, studying, studying the impact and the use cases of blockchain and the implement, the implementation of blockchain and AI. AI. For HR functions, I think that's probably one of my biggest biggest dreams. So is to is to really just do that. So 
if there's someone listening that has access to to be able to make that dream come true for you and hope they're listening they can definitely get in touch and certainly if anyone wants to go to uh, the conference so uh, you can get over subscribe then you know it sounds to me like they need to uh, get in contact with you sooner rather than later so again i'll make those contact details available for everybody so last question of the hrnd podcast uh, it's been a fantastic trip through i've, I've thoroughly enjoyed learning about uh, how you view digital transformation in hr and how you uh, view the humanization of hr which is so important but what is the one piece of advice uh, Karine, that you would give to someone embarking on a career in either HR or learning and development right now? Consume every piece of content, written, audio, and participate in social learning and blockchain, AI, voice, IoT, smartization, any digital transformation. I'm, that's seriously, that is, that's so important. Great. And it's happening. It's happening. And anyone who wants to bury their head in the sand, you know, you can't. It's going to have a touch point in every aspect of your career, whether you work in HR, whether you work in learning and development, or whether you work in any aspect of business, really. It's coming. We can't stop it. It's, you know, go back to 19, 1994, was it? We didn't even have the internet in, in its current form. And now look where we are. It, we can't, we've got to embrace it, I think. And I thoroughly agree. So a fantastic piece of advice to finish the uh, the podcast on the LND Vault. So thank you ever so much, uh, Corrine Woodman Hulubeck, for joining me today on the HRLND podcast. I will, of course, put your LinkedIn contact details on the episode notes. If anyone wants to contact you directly and reach out to Corrine, please do so. I'll also add links in the episode notes to the Five Pillars to Progressive HR blog and also to the second article I mentioned, which is the HR Insights, because there's a little bit more information uh, on that article than um, I think uh, Karine sort of picked up the, the, some of the key points. But there's a lot more in the article worth having a read about if you want to see how um, HR is going to be affected over the next, uh, ne- next 12 months or so. It's well worth reading that report. And of course, uh, it would be remiss of me not to mention the Queen's website, which is www.contractedleadership.com. Com. Do check it out and find out a lot more about what Karine's doing. And you obviously can follow some of her work as well, including the conferences and the work involved with Disrupt Madison and Milwaukee, which are at that contracted leadership website. If you just put forward slash disrupt, it'll take you to those. That's about all we've got time for at the moment. I'm going to put lots of links in. Please do follow them all. I want to say a huge thank you to Karine for joining me today on what has been a fantastic educational journey through digital transformation in HR and progressive HR. So a huge thank you to you for joining me today. It's been fantastic. And I look forward to being to everyone again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Nick. This this is a dream come true. I appreciate you. You've been listening to the L&D Podcast with your host, Nick Day of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. This podcast has been sponsored by Think Learning. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please review it, share it and subscribe so you never miss a future episode.